0: From the Old Testament, an annual event for the Jews was called the Passover. It became, every year for the Jews for centuries, an annual event. It was a meal called the Passover meal. It came, if you remember, out of Egypt when Pharaoh would not let God's people go in bondage in Egypt. God, with a death angel, passed over every house if they put the blood of the Lamb over the doorpost of their house, the death angel would pass over and the first son of every family would live. If that blood was not over that doorpost, the firstborn male of every home, both in Israel and both in Egypt, Egyptians, would his life would be taken. It was a time where God said, it is time for judgment. I give you an opportunity. I want to share with you this morning, you and I are living in days of judgment. Thank God for an opportunity to make right decisions so we know where we're going to spend eternity. Can you thank God that there's still an opportunity? Amen. So this celebrated meal went on and on. And the meal first of all, was celebrated to remember what God had done. He had miraculously brought Israel out of the Egyptian bondage, across the wilderness, and into the promised land, Canaan. This meal was celebrated since then also to believe what God would do. And on the occasion of Matthew 26, the Spirit of God shows us the time where Jesus spoke to his disciples. So I want to say, here was God in the flesh, speaking to them in their vision, giving them directions, standing right there with them. Matthew goes to pretty good detail here at this particular time of Passover. Will you follow me in in Matthew 26? Let's look at verse 17. Now on the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying to him, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. Verse 19. So the disciples did as Jesus directed them. They prepared. Notice that line. They prepared the Passover. It's so important to read the details of the Lord's word. Just go to verse 18. Uh, I'm sorry the Passover Jesus was about ladies and gentlemen to totally transform the Passover feast into an entirely different something to remember he was going to transform it transform it from the time-honored celebration that it had always been so they didn't know it the disciples had no idea The disciples were planning the time, the place, the food for the Passover meal. The disciples had no idea what was just about to happen to that time-censored celebration. Jesus had taught and told his disciples many things. For three and a half years, he had taught these men, much of which, to be honest with you, they did not understand until after the resurrection. So let's take this scene, let's go to verse 20 and and continue. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. I want you to know that that in itself tells you that this man is God. He knows the hearts and minds and the future of all human beings. Aren't you glad we serve a supernatural God? He knows what's going on in the minds and the hearts. He says, now they they were eating. And when they had, wait a minute, in the evening he came and sat down on the twelve. They were eating. He said, someone's going to betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. And each of them began to say to him, notice this line, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? If you were in that crowd and he said, one of you is going to betray me, would you question your life and your relationship with God? I want you to notice that that's important. Notice they were in the Greek mood here in the language. It is a negative connotation. It made every one of them search their hearts. Each one of them were saying maybe in our vernacular, Lord, is it going to be me? Is there something about me that I don't know? But I want you to notice in verse 22 the word Lord. They said, Lord, is it I? And I want to talk to you this morning about the Lord's Supper. I don't want to talk about the Lord's Supper. I want to talk about the Lord's Supper. Look at verse 23. And he answered and said to him, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. 24, and the son of man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to the man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. What some powerful language. At that, there was a Judas response. We know the name Judas. We know all about it. Look with me if you will. In that verse, verse 25, listen to, to his response. Verse 25, Judas said, or then Judas, who was betraying him, notice the verb, in plans, in the midst of, had already made a deal. Eventually, it'll cultivate. He was betraying Christ. I want you to keep that verb sense in mind about us because our present relationship with God is utmost important. As he was betraying him and answered him and said... Rabbi, is it I? And Christ said to him, You have said it. You have said it. I want to make a point. In verse 22, all the disciples except Judas said, Lord, is it I? But when it came time for Judas to respond, he used the word, Rabbi, is it I? That strikes my attention. I wonder I have a question for us. Did Judas betray, betray Christ because he was his rabbi, his teacher, his instructor, his friend, his, re, his teacher? Did I ask the question, did Judas betray Jesus because he was his rabbi teacher and not his Lord? Somewhere in these three and a half years of following Jesus in Judas heart though he had maintained the relationship though he had walked with him though he had seen the miracles though he had heard his words though he had seen the prophecy he saw twisted limbs straighten, he saw blinded eyes open he knew the word of God he understood it all three and a half years of following Jesus is it possible that in his heart the transitions from Jesus a good teacher Jesus a good man Jesus even a miracle worker. Jesus a miracle healer. Jesus a prophet. Jesus a rabbi. Is it possible in Judas' heart he never made the transition from that to Jesus my Lord? And because Jesus wasn't Lord of Judas' life, then Satan had a vehicle by which he could work through to accomplish satanic evil purposes. Ladies and gentlemen, what Satan was seeking to do and did through Judas, he seeks today to do through your life and my life. I'm sorry, Brother Martin, I only have two points. I realize to all you scholars out there, I don't have three points. I only have two. You ready? I want to talk about how Satan wants to work through your life. Even though you're in relation with Christ, he tries to do, number one, distract us from Christ being the source of our life. Did you get that? From the Christ being the source of our life. You see, the Lord's Supper reminds us of something. Jesus is the bread of life. He's the sustainer of life. He is the beginner of life. If you missed last Sunday's message, get on Facebook and listen to it. Because ladies and gentlemen, I talked about how God had us all in mind, in soul and spirit, ready for the day of our conception, long before He even planned this earth. You are not here by accident. I will tell you this. You are here by divine purpose, for a divine reason. And in this particular time, The Lord's Supper reminds us that he's the bread, the source and sustainer of life. But it also reminds us Jesus is the Lord of life and the Lord of everything. Today, a watered down message that's going across the societies, especially in the United States, it's this message. This message to humanity sounds something like this. He, the Christ, is not the source of life. He is one of many sources of life. Of eternal life. But young people. Mom and dad. The Lord's Supper requires. As well as it reminds us. Jesus is the only source of life. Humanity does not create. We only take what's created and recreate it. We haven't created anything except God made the materials first and then we arrange it and rearrange it and we call it discovery. But God had made it all before we ever existed. I love the story. I think I told it last week. Scientists declared to God, we can now make a human being. And God said, really, go ahead. And so he got a, the scientists picked up a handful of, soil, dirt. And God said, hey, wait a minute, make your own dirt. See, we, we, we like to bypass God. Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, was the only true God who came from heaven. Satan, the, Satan decided he was going to try to destroy that and this Christ offered himself a ransom for you and for me. No other prophet, no other so-called small g man-made God that you may read about came from heaven. This is the only one. Satan tries to get us to where Christ is not the source of life. That message is being spewed all over this nation. And we're, it's having an effect, ladies and gentlemen, on our society. Here's why. Because the source of life is going to make us all accountable for life. Not only ours, but how we treated one another. Amen. Point number two, Satan is this. He wants us to act independently of this Lord that we say we serve. Satan, listen, young people, Satan will lead you to satisfy your own needs, your own desires independently of Christ. Our jails and prisons are full of people who have tried to say, I will do this my way. I will do life like I want to. I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care anybody has nothing to do with me. I'll live my life. It's mine. I'll do with it what I want. And you go ahead and do that. But this I will tell you, that the scripture declares, if you, if you bring satisfaction in your own will, eventually in that same flesh you'll lay down in sorrow. Things may go great for a while. But I want to tell you, disobedience offers the disappointment of God. But it's far more than that. You put yourself into a place where Satan has an inroad to use your life and ruin it. Independent from Christ. I will do what I want, how I want to. How many of you, I've kind of noticed, since I've been recovering from surgery, I I try to get my mind on something else. I got to where I've been watching some old cowboys. But I want to tell you, I think the, our world knows that older people watch the old cowboys. Because I don't care anything about all this makeup and tattoo people. And I, I just don't care anything about watching any of that. It's home shopping, if I want to buy something, I'll go buy it myself. I don't need you to come in my living room and try to sell me. I don't need you. So I watch the Cowboys. I want to tell you something. This is the time of year, just in case you didn't know it. I thought I'd make an announcement. This is the time of year that if you're 65 or older, you have till December someday to enroll and get in on Medicare and all the supplements. And even at zero monthly payments. It's all free. And you need to get what you deserve. <laughs> I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I mean I almost have I just pause it I change it I do something go to the weather channel watch the wind blow the leaves I hate those advertisements I hate them and who is it the guy that used to be the Marlboro man and he's a Hawaii uh, guy who's a bit? you know all the women swoon over him what? how come you knew his name my wife knows Tom Selleck's name there's an altar here. You'll use it after services. <laughs> he comes up and says, This ain't my first rodeo. And I would be no part of any senior citizen losing their house. And I'm like, I got this thing memorized. I don't have anything against Tom Selleck. Neither do you, right? <laughs> It's amazing the messages that we get today. The whole message is we don't need God. We don't have to obey God. We, we'll live it like we want. There's a, here's another one. That's where I was headed. Now I remember. Another advertisement is not just about Medicaid. If you want to get a medicine, get on some of those channels. They, all they, they advertise Medicare and medicine. Drugs. And one of them is uh, Onoro or Sonoro. Onoro. And it's a title, it's got a little tune called, Go Your Own Way. Go your own, the, my COPD or whatever that says, go this way, not me, I'm going my way. Now I understand what they mean by that, I really do, I really do. I, you know. But you know what, that's a little tickler sound there. Of the whole mood of the entire people in the United States. I don't want anybody putting any restriction on me. I want no restraint on my life whatsoever. I'll be God of my life and I'll do as I please and report to no one. Everything's true except that last line. You can do whatever you want anyway, anyhow, any means, but you're going to report to someone. And just because it's wonderful young people for a season, and nobody will question the pleasure season, even Moses had chose not to go to the pleasure sin of season. Even in the King Pharaoh's house when he had anything he wanted. It's amazing. We, we're taught to be independent of Christ. But the wine, ladies and gentlemen, the wine reminds us the blood of Jesus Christ that poured from the cross of Calvary for my sin and your sin is the only basis and the only substance that can satisfy and fill the hunger and the thirst in a human soul and spirit. For centuries, millions have tried Satan's cheap, empty offers. And believe you me, they're out there by the millions. Temptation absolutely is turned loose on America. But all those offers are empty. And in these centuries, Satan has never... Produced. Hear me, mom, dad, young people especially, through all the centuries, read it from this history book all the way to the future. All through the centuries, every human being that ever accepted the empty offers, Satan has not one time ever produced one winner. And you will not be the exception. Satan is okay with Jesus being a great man. He's okay with him being a great leader. He even doesn't mind if somebody calls Christ a great teacher. He's even okay if he's called a miracle man. Even a prophet among prophets. But if Jesus is Lord, Satan can have no part in me. If Jesus is truly Lord, Satan has no part in me. If Satan gets us to decide we will maintain control over a certain area of our lives, then Jesus is not Lord, ladies and gentlemen, and you've opened a spiritual door where Satan can do what he wants in that life. And I want to say it again, young people, mom and dad, Jesus to become our Savior left everything, everything, all of heaven's splendor, all that we're looking forward to spending to an eternity. He stepped off the threshold of glory to the filthiness and the debauchery of this world, left it all for you and me. He did not even maintain control over his own life. He put it in the hands of God. And the Lord's Supper reminds us, Jesus willingly poured himself out, laid down his entire life, his will to God, to the lordship of the Father in heaven, to become the sin bearer of you and me. And when he went to Gethsemane, drank that cup, your sin and my sin was in that cup. And it was putrid to him. He said, God, if there's any way, I do not want to drink Pastor Brooks' sin, but but according to your will, and he laid it down for me. this juice, this wine, his blood was given freely and he did not act independently from his own Father God. And he, reserving nothing of himself, Ladies and gentlemen, let me give you the good news, the New Testament. He now is a full measure of whatever you and I need to defeat the devil in this age and in our lives. He is this day a full measure to satisfy every longing I have, every thirst I have, every need I have. He said, if you will recognize me and live for me, I will put blessing on your life. And here's the difference between Satan's blessings and the sin pleasure season and God's blessings. God said, I will bless you and add no sorrow to it, but ask everyone who... Who's disobeyed and followed the cheap offers, they've always laid down in sorrow. And Satan battles, and he battles, and he battles, and he battles to keep you from totally c- to committing Christ to your life and Him becoming Lord of your life. I've said it before, one of the things I was taught all my life as a child and a teenager, the number one thing in your life is not your job and not your income and not what you're going to do for an occupation. Those, those are important, and I think they have their place. The number one point in your life is find the will of God and get right in the middle of it. That's why, young people, your college, the people you date, everything about your life until you are smack dab in the middle of God and His will for your life, those decisions are major issues in your life. Is it any wonder that Satan won't come to a 13, 14, 15, 19-year-old young person and try to totally destroy their lives in those formative years? Because most of the time, if he can get you there, he can keep you there. If you want to know the statistics on it, 87 plus percent young people today raised in church leave the church. Some of that we need to shoulder here, maybe in the church. I'm talking about in Christianity across America. Here's what I want to tell you, though. If you reserve one area in your life and you want wholly submit to the Lord in that part of your life, then Satan has opportunity to destroy your life. And the Lord's Supper reminds us when we surrender ourselves totally to the Lordship of Christ, that is when true life, genuine peace, genuine joy, lasting satisfaction, ladies and gentlemen, that is when we will find true living. Let me declare to you it's not found on the Internet in porn sites. It's not found at the bottle of a liquor bottle. It's not found in vaping, which is a plague across our nation now. How many of you have heard about all that? It's not found in adulterous living. It's not found in riotous partying partying like Hollywood would have us know. I like sports cars. Wish I had a brand new 2020 Corvette. Wouldn't that be nice? I think I'd look good in that 2020. Quint doesn't make enough money to buy me one. That's the problem. Here's one of the biggest lies Satan's telling this generation. Happiness comes from you. Or happiness comes from somebody making you happy. The only person in this world, the only person in this entire world that can make you happy is you. Your, your boyfriend, girlfriend, your mom, your dad, your, your husband, your wife, your brothers, your sisters, everybody you know, nobody can make you happy but you, but you. Here's why. Because you make decisions. And if you decide you're going to be happy, here's what happens. If you want to be happy, make somebody else happy. And the piece of happiness that comes, oh, you're going to do that for somebody else, I'm going to join you, and you will be happy. But if you're depending on somebody else to make you happy, you've already lost that battle. Larissa, I know some of you go, but I wonder why a pastor says things like that when the pulpit. I'll tell you why. Set in my office for counseling of people that are 15 and 16 and 20 and 80. And so much of us still don't get it. So I gotta be plain. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're seeking happiness it's only found in Christ and then out of the compassion God gives you in the heart for others, let me tell you something, Mr. Happiness and peace and joy will all join you and you'll go, wow, I'm happier than ever been in my life. Selfishness will never give you happiness. You can satisfy your own desires by what you do. That's what Satan will tell you. He will tell you by where you go, by what you want, by what you believe, by what you think, and what you declare. Well, you may believe this, but I believe this. You may believe this, but I believe this. But Satan will try to tell you, you can get happy and do all that all on your own methods. Rather than knowing, trusting, serving, and submitting to the living Christ, whereby we learn to live in total dependence upon Him. Jesus instructed us, do this in remembrance of a person. You do, this, you do this in remembrance of a person. Jesus instructed that everything genuine in life flows out of relationship with a person who is Lord of your life. For 2019, here's a big question. I'm going to do an intro to it, so stay with me. Each of us, I wonder, do we betray Christ Because he's not totally Lord of our total lives. If we confess commitment to Christ, then deny him by the way we live our lives, he is not Lord of our lives. Did you hear me? We have done despite to grace today. Well, I can do what I want. I know it's wrong and good old God will forgive me and I'll appeal myself to his grace. I have some scriptures that, ladies and gentlemen, you really need to hear about that. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Having put your hand to the plow and turning back, you're no longer fit for the kingdom of God. I could go on and on. How many of you know this is serious business? This is serious business. But today, we can just just push God over and do whatever we want. Good old God will open His hands and just say, Well, you know what? I love you. I really didn't mean everybody come in. I don't find it anywhere in here. That's the way we want it. That's how we like to romance it. But to deny Christ by the way we live means He's not Lord of our lives. We've opened ourselves. Here's the troubling part. We've opened ourselves up to deception, to lies, to spirit blindness of Satan. And we can can become just like Judas and betray our Christ. I know this is not a popular message. I know if I were running for governor or president, I wouldn't get your vote. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm fighting for the lives and eternity of men's souls. This is called, and let us come to the Lord's Supper. For good reason. It's for those who follow Jesus as Lord. Do you know this is such an important thing and it stands diabolically opposite of our society today? That Paul said, do not come to the Lord's table and do not take it. The old King James Version says, unworthily. There must be a repentance. There must be a submission. Past few weeks, I've been there in my life. I know that everybody knows that. Because I'm the pastor here, I'm the most perfect person here. (laughs) I, I, I said I think everybody knows that. Except me. Except me. How many of you know that we all have a conscience? How many of you know we really know inside? And let me say this. Satan knows us sometimes better than we know ourselves. And Satan knows exactly how to play anything he can against our lives. The Lord's Supper divides, ladies and gentlemen, whether He's Lord or not. I've been asking myself, Jesus, just the last few days and last few weeks, Lord, is there any area in my life, is there any area in my life that You are not Lord? Stronger, Jesus. Is there any way that I'm betraying You by the way that I live. I don't mean to assert that we have to live in total perfection because in ourselves we cannot. Thus is the place for the grace of God. But ladies and gentlemen, when we do that by fault or default, it's different than doing that in an absolute rebellion. In today's message across our world, rebellion sounds like do what you want to do in 2019 here's the question is Jesus Lord of your eyes does Jesus control what you see what you watch let me be blunt about that if Jesus is Lord of your eyes you will not be tempted you will not be on porn sites You will not watch the filth of this world. I should have got an amen there from somebody. Is Jesus Lord of your ears, your hearing? Is Jesus Lord of your mouth, what you say? Well, Pastor, I just believe we can cuss a little. Really? You can use the Lord's name in vain? Really? Really? Well, Pastor, everybody's doing it. I realize I'm not getting the both this morning, but I'm telling you the truth. Is He Lord of your mouth? Is He Lord of your finances? Are you a steward of God? Do you bring Him His tithe? Do you bring Him His tithe and His offering? If not, God emphatically says, you've robbed me. And it's not because God needs your money. It's because God wants your heart. It's not so the pastor can become a millionaire it's just got to have your heart does he have lordship of your life is he lord of your time is he lord of your affections is he lord of your business is he lord of your relationships is he lord in your family relationships Is He Lord in your home? Jesus asked us, His disciples, to prepare the Lord's Supper. And what the disciples thought was just an observance of the old thing. Jesus was going, prepare the place. I'm going to die. I'm going to become Lord. It's going to change this supper forever. So I don't invite you this morning to the Lord's Supper. I call us to the Lord's Supper. Let us prepare the Supper. You know what God wants in that preparation? He wants you to prepare your heart. He wants you to prepare your soul. He wants you to prepare your spirit. He simply wants every one of us to bring our lives this morning to total surrender to Him and say, I recognize you not only as the Son of God. Satan does that. I recognize you not only as the sin-bearer and the Redeemer. Satan recognizes that. I recognize you not only as authority for eternity, even Satan recognizes that. Demons believe that. Have you come to torment us before our time, they said. The question is, is he Lord of your life? Today's the day to come and say, Pastor... Holy Spirit's knocked on my door. I don't care if you're 85, 95 years old in this audience. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to come back to Christianity and submit our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so I realize I've been tough on us. But ladies and gentlemen, we're going to stand at the judgment seat of God. I'm going to end with this. This is what bothers me. This is what keeps tearing my spirit apart. We, in a sense, play the game of religion. And we go, yes, I know God and I know what He requires and I know what it costs Him. But, Pastor, I don't want it to cost me anything. When the Scripture says that every one of us who are called of Christ are to get up and we're to die daily to our own desires back to the Lordship of Christ and do the will of the Lord, not the will of myself. Here's what young people don't understand. If you'll give God your will, God will see that what you want and the way He created you, He will give to you and it will last forever. Young people, don't you dare accept substitutes. Here's the way our society is that's sin. And here's the line of the blood. And Satan wants us and we play. I walk the line. Well, I want just enough security to feel safe so I know when I die I'm going to heaven, but I want to do everything else my way. That wasn't planned right there. <laughs> but that's a good picture. And Satan toying with us. I'm calling us to holiness today. Be holy. Not the pastor's call. God said, you be holy because I'm holy. Enough with the games and the, the facade, the veneers. I want us to go to the Lord and ask the Father to put his finger on something in our lives in this sanctuary this morning that we have not committed to him in a while or we've been disobedient. And I want to ask the blood of Christ to cleanse us from all unrighteousness.